This is an excerpt from a speech in Pennsylvania Hall in Philadelphia in 1838 by a southern woman named Angelina Grimke Weld. And she said, as a southerner, I feel that it is my duty to stand up here tonight and bear testimony against slavery. I have seen it. I have seen it. I know it has horrors that can never be described. I was brought up under its wing. I witnessed for many years its demoralizing influence, its destructiveness to human happiness. It is admitted by some that the slave is not happy under the worst forms of slavery. But I have never seen a happy slave. I have seen him dance in his chains, it is true, but he was not happy. There is a wide difference between happiness and mirth. Man cannot enjoy the former while his manhood is destroyed, and that part of the being which is necessary to the making and to the enjoyment of happiness is completely blotted out. The slaves, however, may be, and sometimes are, mirthful. When hope is extinguished, they say, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Many persons go to the South for a season and are hospitably entertained in the parlor and at the table of the slaveholder. They never enter the huts of the slaves. They know nothing of the dark side of the picture, and they return home with praises on their lips of the generous character of those with whom they had tarried. Or, if they have witnessed the cruelties of slavery, by remaining silent spectators, they have naturally become callous and insensibility has ensued, which prepares them to apologize, even for barbarity. Nothing but the corrupting influence of slavery on the hearts of the northern people can induce them to apologize for it. And much will have been done for the destruction of southern slavery when we have so reformed the north that no one here will be willing to risk his reputation by advocating or even excusing the holding of men as property. The South know it and acknowledge that as fast as our principles prevail, the hold of the master must be relaxed. How wonderfully constituted is the human mind, how it resists, as long as it can, all efforts made to reclaim from error. I feel that all this disturbance is but an evidence that our efforts are the best that could have been ad adopted or else the friends of slavery would not care for what we say and do. The South know what we do. I am thankful that they are reached by our efforts. Many times I have wept in the land of my birth over the system of slavery. I knew of none who sympathized in my feelings. I was unaware that any efforts were made to deliver the oppressed. No voice in the wilderness was heard calling on the people to repent and do works meet for repentance, and my heart sickened within me. Oh, how should I have rejoiced to know that such efforts as these were being made? I only wonder that I had such feelings. I wonder when I reflect under what influence I was brought up that my heart is not harder than the nether millstone. But in the midst of temptation I was preserved, and my sympathy grew warmer, and my hatred of slavery more inveterate, until, at last, I have exiled myself from my native land because I could no longer endure to hear the wailing of the slave. 
I fled to the land of Penn. For here, thought I, sympathy for the slave will surely be found. But I found it not. The people were kind and hospitable, but the slave had no place in their thoughts. Whenever questions were put to me as to his condition, I felt that they were dictated by an idle curiosity rather than by that deep feeling which would lead to effort for his rescue. I, therefore, shut up my grief in my own heart. I remembered that I was a Carolinian from a state which framed this iniquity by law. I knew that throughout her territory was continual suffering on the one part and continual brutality and sin on the other. Every southern breeze wafted to me the discordant tones of weeping and wailing, shrieks and groans, mingled with prayers and blasphemous curses. I thought there was no hope that the wicked would go on in his wickedness until he had destroyed both himself and his country. My heart sunk within me at the abominations in the midst of which I had been born and educated. What will it avail, cried I in bitterness of spirit, to expose to the gaze of strangers the horrors and pollutions of slavery, when there is no ear to hear it, nor heart to feel and pray for the slave? The language of my soul was, oh, tell it not in Gath, publish it not in the streets of Ascalon. But how different do I feel now, animated with hope, nay, with an assurance of the triumph of liberty and good will to man, I lift up my voice like a trumpet and show this people their transgression, their sins of omission towards the slave and what they can do towards affecting Southern mind and overthrowing Southern oppression. There is nothing to be feared from those who would stop our mouths, but they themselves should fear and tremble. The current is even now setting fast against them. If the arm of the North had not caused the Bastille of slavery to totter to its foundation, you would not hear those cries. A few years ago, and the South felt secure, and with a contemptuous sneer asked, who are the abolitionists? The abolitionists are nothing. Aye, in one sense, they were nothing, and they are nothing still. But in this we rejoice, that God has chosen things that are not to bring to naught things that are. We often hear the question asked, what shall we do? Here is an opportunity to do something now. Every man and every woman present may do something by showing that we fear not a mob and in the midst of threatenings and revilings by opening our mouths for the dumb and pleading the cause of those who are ready to perish. Women of Philadelphia, allow me as a Southern woman with much attachment to the land of my birth to entreat you to come up to this work. Especially, let me urge you to petition. Men may settle this and other questions at the ballot box, but you have no such right. It is only through petitions that you can reach the legislature. It is, therefore, peculiarly, your duty to petition. Do you say it does no good? The South already turns pale at the number sent. They have read the reports of the proceedings of Congress and there have seen that among other petitions were very many from the women of the North on the subject of slavery. This fact has called the attention of the South to the subject. How could we expect to have done more as yet? 
Men who hold the rod over slaves rule in the councils of the nation, and they deny our right to petition and to remonstrate against abuses of our sex and of our kind. We have these rights, however, from our God. Only let us exercise them, and though often turned away unanswered, let us remember the influence of importunity upon the unjust judge and act accordingly. The fact that the South look with jealousy upon our measures shows that they are effectual. There is therefore no cause for doubting or despair, but rather for rejoicing. It is remarked in England that women did much to abolish slavery in her colonies. Nor are they now idle. Numerous petitions from them have recently been presented to the Queen to abolish the apprenticeship with its cruelties nearly equal to those of the system whose place it supplies. One petition two miles and a quarter long has been presented. And do you think these labors will be in vain? Let the history of the past answer. When the women of these states send up to Congress such a petition, our legislators will arise, as did those of England, and say, when all the maids and matrons of the land are knocking at our doors, we must legislate. Let the zeal and love, the faith and works of our English sisters quicken ours, that while the slaves continue to suffer, and when they shout deliverance, we may feel the satisfaction of having done what we could.